Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, I'm Daniel. I am going to read to you a line from this text, Trust in Mind, which is a text I like a lot. And I'm going to comment on that line, talk about it a little bit, and then I'm going to lead a meditation. So, here we go. When no discriminating thoughts arise, the old mind ceases to exist. When no discriminating thoughts arise, the old mind ceases to exist. That's really heavy. So, what are discriminating thoughts? That is when we're obsessed with our opinions, obsessed with putting things in boxes all the time. But I want to talk about the old mind ceases to exist because I think of the old mind and I think of what I call the daydream. The daydream is the way we typically go through life. It's the way we go through life if we're not being aware of the world around us. If we're not in a med- if we don't have a meditation practice, we go through what I call the daydream, and that is when we are sort of sleepwalking through life. So we don't see the world around us very clearly. We don't pay attention very well. We lose track of what we're doing all the time, and we're lost and confused. So, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is the old mind, or the daydream, is when we are bringing baggage into every situation and it's causing us to not see things clearly. But it's also when we are not present, but rather living in the past or the future instead of being present. So, as far as the baggage goes, I think we bring our life experience into situations. And sometimes that's helpful to us, but a lot of the time it's not. I like to think of it as um, like those old-timey 3D glasses. And if you're my age or older, you know what I'm talking about. It's the It's got red on one side and blue on the other. Um, they make better 3D glasses now. But those old-timey 3D glasses, if you put them on and you look at not a 3D movie, you just see distorted, a distorted world. A world that doesn't look right because of this weird color filter on it. And I think we have this tendency to see the world through a filter. So we have expectations, we have baggage, we have judgments, and all these things stop us from seeing the world as it really is. And instead, we see it through this filter of our expectations, of our fears, of our baggage. And again, sometimes that helps us, but a lot of the time it gets in our way. So if you've ever met someone and immediately had judgments about them when you know nothing about them, that you're seeing them in a filter. You're putting them in a box because of what they look like or who they remind you of, things like that. And that's not a fair way to treat people. That's not a fair judgment. But also, if you've ever started a new relationship and you kind of expect it to be like your old one, that is seeing things through a filter. If you have ever And same, if you start a new job and you expect it to be like your old one or you're very afraid it will be like your old one, 
That is seeing it through a filter. I have a friend, and I'll say very little about him, except that he worked a job where he made a lot of money and he discovered some business practices that he determined were quite corrupt. And since then, he is afraid of jobs in his field. He's afraid. He looks for signs of trouble because he was sort of traumatized by that experience of dis discovering what he determined was corruption. And so that's a filter he's living with maybe forever, maybe forever. And it has really hampered his career when the truth is that probably a lot of businesses in this in his field are okay. But that one really messed him up. And we are like that sometimes. And of course, that, that applies in relationships too. If you've had a really, really bad relationship, you could be afraid of relationships. You could be a very untrusting person, right? Or a very guarded person who doesn't let people in. That happens very easily to us. And so that's, that's something for us to think about. What is the baggage we're carrying? What are the things we're bringing into the situation? And then it's the same, um, it's a similar thing if you've ever, I wanna talk about living in the past and the future now. If you've ever been talking to someone you really care about and you wanna to listen to them and hear what they have to say and you realize you're not listening. You realize you're either waiting for your turn to talk or you're thinking about something totally unrelated. Totally unrelated. You're totally not here. That's another thing we get caught up in. That's, that's also an aspect of what we're calling the old mind. It is where I really want to be present right now, and I'm not. And I'm just not. If you've ever heard somebody say, um my kid is driving and it feels like they were just born. If you've ever heard that, and I've heard, you've heard it a bunch of times, I think it's a cliche, but it's true and it's because we sleepwalk through life and we miss things and things seem to go fast sometimes and things get by us because we're not present. We're not present, but we can learn to be present and have a more vivid experience of life. Through these practices, we can add more, more life to our life. More, what's that old saying? You can't add more years to your life, or you can't always add more years to your life, but you can add more life to your years. We can get, from a selfish perspective, we can get more out of our life experience by learning how to direct our minds, by learning how to be present. That's, that's. Maybe one of the most troubling things is, of course, when something good's happening and you're not present for it. That's one of the most troubling things, right? Like, I don't mind if I'm not mentally present when I'm at the dentist, but if I'm not mentally present when I'm spending time with my loved ones, that's not good, right? I want to be present for those things. So that's sort of what we're talking about here. We don't want to lose our ability to be present when the things we want are happening. When the things we want are happening, and we do that, we do that. So that is a thing to watch out for. That is a thing to watch out for. So 
That's what I wanted to talk about, basically. When your attention is fractured, when you're having trouble being present, when you're living in the past or the future instead of living here, it's really easy to sell you stuff. And people know that. It's really easy to uh, not only sell you products, but also, you know, sell you ideas, trick you, manipulate you, lead you along. It's very easy to do those things when we are not present, when we are distracted all the time, when we're sleepwalking through life. And what we're talking about with our meditation practice, what we're really talking about is awakening from the daydream, awakening from the daydream, learning how to live in a more aware, awake, and attentive way. Aware, awake, attentive. That's what we really need, and that is what we really want, and what we really can do for ourselves. And that will help us not only be better at achieving our goals, not only be better at finding our own joy in life, but also at being better friends, parents, partners, whatever. Being better at those things, being better coworkers, making the world a better place in our little corner of it. Because when we're paying attention, when we train in attention, and that's what this is about, training in attention. When we train in attention, then we can really show up. We can really show up and make a difference, and that's so important. Life, life is about showing up. I really believe that. Life is about showing up. And if you're showing up, that's great. That is a wonderful thing to be showing up. So, all of that being said, I would like to lead a meditation now. So I want you to sit up as straight as you can. Um, if you're in a chair like I am, it's recommended you sit up straight at attention with your feet on the floor, with your legs pressed together. What? Um, and I think that's okay. And I think sitting cross-legged on the floor like a lot of people do is okay too. What I want to suggest you not do is just lounge, just relax, like, oh, I'm meditating, right? No, this is a path of attention. Our body and mind are connected. So if our body is like this, we are, we are not, we are not going to be able to direct our minds. I believe that. So I think if you can't sit up straight for approximately 12 minutes, then lying down is okay too. But what I don't want is, is, you know, sitting in the, I'm watching TV position. I don't want, I don't, I do frown on that. I don't, like a lot of people are very strict about how you sit and they say you have to sit exactly this way and I don't subscribe to that, but I do say that lounging is not, is not how we want to sit. This is a path of attention. And one thing is if you notice yourself starting to slouch, just correct it. That'll happen. Um, I've had countless experiences where I notice that I'm totally not present for the meditation and then I realize, oh, I've been slouching for like six minutes and then I sit up straight again and it straightens me out because a straight straight mind is connected to straight spine. That's really good. Straight mind is connected to straight spine. So we want to sit up straight. But again, if you have back problems, laying down is okay. So we're sitting up straight with our hands. Um, there's two different things I recommend. One is called, I call it the bowl. 
Fancy people call this the Cosmic Mudra. I don't call it that because I think that name sounds weird. I call it the bowl, but it's just one hand on top of the other, thumb gently touching, thumbs gently touching, resting in your lap. I don't think it matters which hand is on top. Some people do. And then the other form I recommend is hands in your lap. That's called relaxation. Hands in your lap. So the bowl resting in my lap or just hands resting on your lap. The point is that we have a plan because if we don't have a plan for what our hands are doing, um, they can be a point of distraction. Okay? Okay. And I do a nice open practice. So I'm looking at the wall that's here behind you. And if you have a non-distracting wall you can look at, I think that's great. And if you have, or alternatively, if you have a non-distracting floor, I've definitely had to sit in situations where there wasn't a wall available to me and I would just look kind of downward at the floor. But if the wall and the floor are both distracting, you know, if it's a complicated rug and there's art on the wall or whatever, Closing your eyes is fine. I I um, struggle in practice when I practice with eyes closed, but a lot of people don't, right? People swear by that, so that's fine. But that being said, I'm looking up here, okay? So I'm going to ring the bell, and we're going to do a couple practices. But first, I'm going to ring the bell. And I want you to do a practice with me called the healing breath. And it is a controlled breathing exercise. It's where we breathe in, take a breath very slowly. So it takes to a count of five and we hold our breath to a count of five and then we breathe out to a count of five. So a breath takes 15 seconds and I'm going to show you it's like this. And if you're someone that has breathing problems um, or that sounds scary to you or if holding your breath like really provokes anxiety, then don't do it. But I would invite you to do it with me. We're just going to do one. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Now, what I want you to do is the practice that's called mindfulness of breathing. We're going to place our attention on our breath. There are two different ways to do this. And one way is to just pay attention to the breath as it comes into and out of your nose. And the other way is to pay attention to the rise and fall of your belly. These things are happening with every breath we take, but we don't really think about it unless there's a problem. That's what makes this a useful anchor. So we're going to place our attention on our breath. And every time something happens to distract you from your breath, it's always there to come back to it. We just gently come back to it. We don't want to say, you know, we don't want to mentally say, ah, I've lost the meditation. We want to just gently come back to our breath. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, Breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Some people find it really helpful to do a mental counting practice. So on the in-breath, mentally note one. On the out-breath, mentally note two. In one, out two. 
in one, out two. So we're gonna sit just for a few minutes and do this practice, and then we'll be finished and I'll ring the bell. This is, the breath is our anchor. It is the thing that keeps us in the present moment. So I start to think about what I'm doing later, I come back to the breath. I start to wonder what that sound is I hear in the other room, I come back to the breath. I start to think, oh, why am I meditating? I come back to the breath, okay? The breath is always there. So we're gonna do that for a few minutes and then we'll be finished.
that is it for today. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me. Have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.